Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Well, it's such a beautiful day in Tennessee, here in Prim Springs, where we all live. The sun is shining, and some of the young people are out on the volleyball court playing well, they don't seem to mind the heat. Uh, I think I would prefer it in the cool of the day. I hope it's a lovely, beautiful day where you are living too. Well, it's good to be back with you. And in this episode, I want to come back to the very first word that we talked about when I started doing the podcasts. We are now up to podcast 13, My How the Time Goes. In episodes 1 and 2, I introduced to you a Hebrew word, Navah. It's spelled N-A-V-E-H. And it's one of the Hebrew words uh, from the word dwell. And it means to dwell in a home, it means to be at home, to reside at home. It can be a dwelling place. One Hebrew commentator calls, uh, calls it the inhabitress of the home. Well, we don't use words like that very much today, do we? Although we do. What about waiter, waitress, actor? Actress, mayor, mayoress, editor, editress. Well, I don't think anybody actually uses editress, although I like to call myself the editress of Above Rubies because it is more grammatically correct. So when this gentleman says, uh, not the inhabitor, but the inhabitress of the home, uh, he is talking about the woman in the home. And uh, we actually found out about that in episodes four and five, where I talked about this same Hebrew word and how we found that uh, this word is in the context also of, the, of war and of this mighty woman. Uh, she's in the home but she's also part of a great army. That was in Psalm 68, verse 12. Um, now this word, it also is used to speak of God's home and of our home, of course, and even of a pasture for animals. It's a word that also means lovely, because our homes are meant to be lovely places. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 2, it talks about the daughters of, of the daughters of Jerusalem, and it calls them lovely and delicate women. And so here the word is related to a woman. 
just as it is in many passages. In Psalm 113, verse 9, he makes the barren woman to keep house or to dwell in a home, to nava in a home, and to be a joyful mother of children. Psalm 68, 12, which we talked about, where it says, She that dwelt in the home, talking about the she, not talking about the man, but the she that dwelt in the home. It reminds me of Proverbs 31. Have you ever noticed, as you've read through that chapter, that the word she occurs 16 different times? She does good to her husband. She Uh, looks to the ways of her household. She does this. She does that. It's all about the she. Anyway, today, uh, I want to bring you back to this word again. We've been having many different podcasts and I've been interviewing different folk. But now I've got to get you back to this word again. We haven't finished yet. And I want to take you to another scripture uh, where this word is used. This time, it's in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5. Now, let's get the context before we read the scripture. The children of Israel have now been taken from their home of Israel. They've been taken to Babylon. They're now captives in a foreign land. And and so God comes to them in Babylon and speaks to them through the prophet Jeremiah. And uh, although Jeremiah is giving the word, God says that he is speaking, Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Thus saith the the. Uh, the Lord of Israel. But here we read this this description of God as the Lord of hosts. Now, this is a description that we read many times of God. I wonder when you read it, do you think about what it means? Who is God as the Lord of hosts? Well, it literally means the God of the armies of heaven, the God who fights for his people Israel and for his covenant people today. He fights for us. He is our God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? This is our God, and it's always in the context of war or God standing up and fighting for us. And here he comes to the people in Babylon. He comes, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Wow, they better listen. This is an important word for God. Even though they're captives in a foreign land, God is speaking. What will he say to them? What does he want us to do in this foreign land? And this is a very amazing passage. And uh, we're going to read about seven different things that God said to his people in Babylon. 
And the very first one, let's read it in verse 5. And it contains the word Nava. And God says to them, Build houses and dwell in them. Many different translations say, Build houses and live in them. The word is Nava. To dwell in a home, to live in it, to make your life in it, to make it a lovely place, to make it a secure fold. In my second episode, I talked about how God wants us to make our homes a beautiful fold as we fold our flock and fold our family in our homes. And so here we go. Now, ladies, isn't this amazing? I can never really quite comprehend this because this is God, the Lord of hosts, speaking this sovereign word to his people. And what does he tell them? Build houses? Our God is such a practical God. Dear precious ladies, God is interested in every aspect of your life. He is so vitally interested in your home. God loves homes because he is the designer and the author of homes. He is the first home designer. He is the first architect of homes. He is the one who created the very first home in the Garden of Eden. And it was called the Garden of Eden. In Hebrew, the word Eden means delight. The home that God created was a delightful place. Perhaps there has never been, in fact, there never has been a home that was as beautiful and delightful as that very first home. But that first home was a prototype. Everything that God did in the beginning was a prototype for all that was to come. It was his plan for the future. He showed us the foundation and, and the vision of what he wanted and how he wants us to live. And so the first home, meaning a delightful place, is what he wants all our homes to be. He wants us to make them a delightful place. Now, we all want our homes to be delightful, of course, but they don't just become delightful. We have to work at them becoming a delightful place. It takes thought. It takes meditation. It takes prayer. It takes vision. It takes work. It, it takes sweat. It, it takes our lives to make our home a delightful place where our husband loves to be where our children love to be, where we love to be, because we make it a delightful place for ourselves too. 
And so God comes again. And when he comes to them in Babylon, because they're no longer in their beloved land, he says to them, I'm reminding you of the vision I gave you in the very beginning. And just because you are now in a foreign land does not negate what I told you in the beginning. I want you to keep doing it because this is my plan. It's the way I want you to live. Build houses and live in them. Love in them. You see, dear mothers, we are to live in our homes not to just be running here and there and just coming in to roost or just coming in to just do something for a while and out again. No, our homes are to live in. God gave us homes to live in, to make life in them. And we're to make life happen in our homes. Our our homes are to be a hub where everything is happening, from the birth to the grave. I mean, it's all meant to happen in the homes. Today, sadly, um, homes are vacated. Often during the day, many homes are completely empty. Children are off to school, mother is off to work, husband, of course, is out doing his provision for the family. But the whole Home is vacated. That's not how God intended it to be. He wants us to live life in our homes and to make wonderful things happen in our homes. So they are places not only of delight, but of productivity and and beautiful things happening and wonderful memories taking place. Now, I'd like to share with you um, 15 uh, different ways we can make life happen in our home. Of course, there are many more, and maybe I'll add to it, but I've just written down 15 for the moment. And shall we look at some of these? I have for number one, where to make our homes a place for God's presence, where we live in his presence. I think that is the very ultimate. And when Jesus, well, no, when his disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, what did Jesus say? He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We kind of glibly say those words. We repeat the Lord's Prayer and we don't really think about it. But what is it saying? Your will be done, Father, on earth here just as it is in heaven. In the Luke's Gospel, In chapter 11, verse 2, uh, it says it very simply. It just says, as in heaven, so in earth. But that is so powerful. If we can just get it. I don't think I really get it. As in heaven, so in earth. 
we could perhaps say more personally, as in God's home, so in my home. And if we could just get this vision to bring a little bit of heaven to earth, because that is what God wants. That's what he told us to pray. When we pray with our family each morning, that would be a good prayer to add, wouldn't it? Oh, Father, today help us to just bring a little bit of heaven to earth. Help us to establish your heavenly ways in our earthly home. That means, of course, living in his presence. I love that scripture. I've written it down here. In Hosea 6 verse 2, it says, After two days he will revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his presence. Don't you love that? And we shall live in his presence. Psalm 102 verse 28 is rather similar. says, The children of your servants will settle down here and their descendants, not only us, but our descendants, our children, our children's children, will live securely, securely in your presence. That's God's plan for us to establish that in our homes so that when our children get married, they will establish it in their homes. And from generation to generation, as one translation puts it, our descendants will live in his presence. The Moffat translation says, Thou eternal, thy years shall never end, and in your presence live your servants' children and their posterity forever. And so in establishing the presence of God, how do we do it? I guess it starts with us individually because our God is a dwelling God. He wants to dwell in our hearts and if we have received him into our lives, he has come in by his spirit and dwells with us. In fact, he says that he not only abides in us, he wants us to abide in him. And he also says in Ephesians chapter 2 that because we are in him, we are seated in Christ in heavenly places where Christ sits at the right hand of God. This is where we are positionally in Christ. We're not often there practically, are we? But we need to see ourselves positionally. I'm in Christ. He is in me. And this is how we, we operate our homes from that place of Christ lives in me. I dwell in him. And it's from this attitude, this relationship that we operate our homes. And this brings the presence of God and the atmosphere 
atmosphere is so powerful. Every home has an atmosphere. You know that, don't you? You go into some homes and you feel just, oh, that warmth of atmosphere. You, you want to be there. You want to go there. You want to stay there. You don't want to leave there because you feel that relaxed atmosphere. You go into other homes and they may have beautiful decor. It may look beautiful. There may be nothing out of place, but it's cold. There's no atmosphere. It, it's just a house of um, beautiful things. And, or you can go into another house and you can cut the air with a knife because there's been arguments and uh, there's been strife. And where there is strife, it always affects the atmosphere. I love this quotation from S.D. Gordon. He wrote a book called Quiet Talks on Home Ideals. And in this book he says, The influence exerted by the mother is great beyond the power of our minds to think or of our words to tell. The making of a child's character is in the mother's hands to a degree that is nothing short of startling. In another passage, he writes, The atmosphere of the home is breathed in by the child and exerts an influence in his training more, by far, than all other things put together. The child receives more by unconscious absorption than in any other way. He is all ears and eyes and open paws. He is open at every angle and point and direction, and all between. He is an absorbing surface. He takes in constantly. He takes in what is there, and what he takes in makes him. The spirit of the home, then, is the one thing on which the keen mind and the earnest heart of the father and mother will center most for the children's sake. Because, dear mothers, Our children are going to imbibe far more from our godly, heavenly atmosphere, that relaxed atmosphere, that warm atmosphere, that atmosphere of love and joy than all the things that we'll ever try to teach them. It's the atmosphere they will remember. Those will be their memories as they grow up. (coughs) And so... First of all, above everything else, let's seek to make our homes a place where God dwells. Invite him into every room in your home because he wants to live in every room, in every every nook and cranny of your home. He wants to come to your table He wants to be present as someone who sits at your table. He wants to be involved in every conversation. And uh, when we are aware that God is with us, it changes so much in, in our whole mothering. You see, dear mother, God is with you in your kitchen, when you're cooking, when you're dealing 
with your little ones and they're crying and they're scratchy and they're upset and, and this one's having, you know, a tussle or an argument with another sibling and, and all things are happening at once and you're just feeling overwhelmed and you want to tear your hair out. But God is there. God is with you. Instead of screaming and tearing your hair out, say, oh God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you are with me. You only have to cry out those words and you'll know his presence. He will come to you. He'll give you your, his calm and his rest as you acknowledge his presence. That's one of the big things in experiencing the presence of God is acknowledging his presence. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. So when you start the day, you're at the breakfast table, you can say, oh, thank you, Lord, you are with us today, Lord Jesus. Tell your children, children, God lives in our home. He is with us today. So he's going to be with us in everything we do today. In all our conversations, in all our play, in all our learning, in all our chores, He is with us. Isn't that exciting? Yes, just rejoice with me. Say, thank you, Jesus. Get all the children to say, thank you, Jesus. You are with us. And as you acknowledge Him, you are going to be so much more aware of his precious presence with you. Now, number two. The home is a mothering, nurturing center. This is the place where we nurture and uh, mother our children. And this is where God intends it to be. When God gives us a little baby to nurse at the breast and to nurture and to love, he doesn't give it to somebody else. He gives it to us. And he gives us the privilege of raising this little child in a home. We're so blessed because God has not only put motherhood in our hearts because dear ladies motherhood is in our hearts god has put it there by divine creation he has put within the female a nurturing instinct and it is there in our hearts now we know of course more and more today are rejecting motherhood and turning away from everything that is motherly and feminine. But even these screaming, yelling women can't get away from who God created them to be because you'll find if you go and check it out that they'll have a pet. They've rejected motherhood, but they've got to have something they can love. And so they have a pet. You see, God has put it in our hearts, but not only has he put nurturing in our hearts, he's put home in our hearts. It is in our hearts. It is natural to love home. Now, once again, in our 
educated society today that's educated in socialism and feminism and humanism, it has often been educated out of the brains of women. So they have been pulled to leave the home and they've been brainwashed that it's an inferior place to be. But when they get rid of all that junk down deep in their hearts, there's a longing for home. Because God has put it within us. He wants the woman to be in the home. And we go back to the very, very beginning. And uh, we find that when God created man, we read the account in Genesis 2, and he created man and breathed into his, uh, his soul breath, and he became a living soul. And uh, so that was Adam. He was created first. Then the next very scripture says, and then God created the home, the Garden of Eden. That was the next thing he did. He still hasn't created the woman yet. And we don't even read anything about her. till way down in the chapter, verse 18, and God says, I'm going to create a helpmeet for Adam. Even then, she doesn't come. God then creates all the animals and the beasts of the fields and the birds and so on. And uh, that all happens before he creates the woman. And then the day comes when he puts Adam to sleep and out of the man he brings forth the woman. And when she awakes to life, she's in her home. Her home. Yes, God created the man before the home, but not the woman. He had the home ready for her. And so there she was. This is where I want you to be, God says. This is the beautiful place I've created for you. You're going to make life in a home. It's from this home that you're going to affect the generations. It's from this home that you're going to nurture the world. And so, here in our homes, we embrace our home because we embrace the place of nurturing. Today, we have daycares. And yes, children can be cared for. They can be watched over uh, they from harm and so on. But they can't be truly mothered. Only a mother can truly mother her child. Only she just knows intuitively the needs of that child. And uh, that can only happen in the home. Daycares are a counterfeit. Everything that God has planned is perfect, and everything that God has planned, the devil hates. And so he has a counterfeit for everything that God has planned. And his counterfeit for the home uh, are daycares, of course. And so we just embrace our home as a place of nurturing. Uh, number three, uh, we embrace our home as a, a place of birthing. Now, not everybody is going to birth their babies in the home, but it's a beautiful place to birth babies. And uh, such a relaxed atmosphere to birth a baby. I, I love that poem of, um, 
I've just forgotten the author now, and a great American poet, and he talks about how a home is not a home to there's been someone born in it, and there's been someone die in it, and everything has happened in this home. And uh, I know many of you have had beautiful home births. Some of you have had situations where you've not been able to birth at home, and you've had to go to the hospital. Uh, those who have to go to the hospital, uh, I think that can be an even greater challenge because you've got to be really on top of things. There are so many uh, invasive things that they do today in birthing. And even when the baby is born, uh, that we need to make sure uh, that they don't happen to our baby and we become very educated and informed and know what they are really doing. And uh, I, I remember when um, Meadow, my granddaughter, uh, had her first baby and uh, she had it in a birthing center at the hospital where she had a midwife and it was like being at home but she was there um, at the birthing center but she had prepared herself so well I mean she'd studied there wasn't one thing she didn't study and check out about birthing at home or what happens uh, when you birth in a hospital and uh, so she had written out everything, gone over it with her husband, and uh, he had the list so that when they were at the hospital, he could check everything off and make sure that happened or that didn't happen. And because when you're in birth, you're so vulnerable, you can't even think about these things yourself, and you need someone advocating for you. So he was well educated, and and they were able to protect themselves and protect their baby. And uh, so I think that is important if you're birthing in a hospital, if you're birthing at home, well, that is such a beautiful experience too. Well, time has gone again and we're hardly started, but next week we're going to speak more about living in our homes. Let's pray, shall we? Dear Father, I... Thank you so much uh, for your wonderful plan, your plan for the home, your plan uh, for us to nava in our homes and make our homes a lovely place, a delightful place. Help us, Lord, to get a vision for our homes, to see it just beyond uh, just a place to live and just eat and sleep, but to see wonderful and great and amazing things happen. Help us to be those who make things happen, who uh, vision things to happen uh, in our homes. And I just ask your blessing and your protection on every wife and husband and child who is listening today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.